our scripture reading this evening for our homily, Psalm 22. That is on page 457 uh, in the Pew Bibles uh, before you. If you do not have a Bible, uh, that's where you could find it. And I'll be reading the whole psalm for us. Psalm 22. My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Yet you are holy, enthroned on the praises of Israel. And you, our fathers, trusted. They trusted and you delivered them. To you they cried and were rescued. And you they trusted and were not put to shame. But I am a worm and not a man, scorned by mankind and despised by the people. All who see me mock me. They make mouths at me. They wag their heads. He trusts in the Lord. Let him deliver him. Let him rescue him, for he delights in him. Yet you are he who took me from the womb. You've made me trust you at my mother's breasts. On you was I cast from my birth. And from my mother's womb you have been my God. Be not far from me, for trouble is near, and there is none to help. Many bulls encompass me, strong bulls of Bashan surround me. They open wide their mouths at me like a ravening and roaring lion. I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. It is melted within my breast. My strength is dried up like a potsherd, and my tongue sticks to my jaws. You lay me in the dust of death. For dogs encompass me, a company of evildoers encircles me. They have pierced my hands and feet. I can count on my bones. They stare and gloat over me. They divide my garments among them, and for my clothing they cast lots. But you, O Lord, do not be far off. O you, my help, come quickly to my aid. Deliver my soul from the sword, my precious life from the power of the dog. Save me from the mouth of the lion. You have rescued me from the horns of the wild oxen. And I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will praise you. You who fear the Lord, praise Him. All you offspring of Jacob, glorify Him and stand in awe of Him. All you offspring of Israel, for He has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted. And He has not hidden His face from Him, but has heard Him when He cried to Him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat and be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. All the ends of the earth shall remember and turn to the Lord. And all the families of the nations shall worship before you. For kingship belongs to the Lord and he rules over the nations. All the prosperous of the earth eat and worship. Before him shall bow all who go down to the dust, even the one who could not keep himself alive. Posterity shall serve him. It shall be told of the Lord to the coming generation. They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn, that he has done it. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Now, after reading the first 10 or 15 verses of Psalm 22, you've probably thought I'm in the wrong place. Why on earth are we reading this psalm of lament on a joyous occasion as Christmas Eve? 
As you could see, there is a, a shift in this famous psalm of lament. There is affliction, but there is also joy. As this is a psalm of lament, we have been looking during the Advent season at Christ's covenant at many of the royal psalms, which point us forward to a better king than David and a Messiah, who is namely Jesus. This is also one of those psalms. So we will look firstly at Advent affliction and secondly at Advent joy. The mixture of those two things, as I was thinking about that this week, is encompassed in an evening prayer service that uh, the first church I served did every Advent Sunday evening once a year. We would have what was called an Advent memorial service. So we would have readings, we would have carols, we would have a time of prayer, uh, and then we would have an opportunity to light a candle for a loved one that we had lost, either that year or recently. In that service, I remember year after year that one Sunday evening in Advent, the service was maybe 30 or 45 minutes long, but you would see several individuals come forward in the midst of what is usually an a, a awesome, joyous season. Recognize that there is much affliction in this life. These are the two things that will occupy our time very briefly this evening. Firstly, looking at Advent affliction, that's the first 21 verses of this psalm. Firstly, the reality of affliction. Uh, We see the reality of pain or affliction right in verses 6 to 8 in the recognition of this person, possibly David at the moment, receiving scorn, being despised by people. They mock him for attempting to trust the Lord. See in verses 7 to 8, it says in verse 8, He trusts in the Lord, let him deliver him, let him rescue him, for he delights in him. They're making fun of King David for his trust in the Lord. Verses 12 to 13 picture a great crowd or multitude against him like beasts after a prey. That is how he feels. He continues by saying, I am poured out like water, and all my bones are out of joint. My heart is like wax. These are songs or or prayers that are set to music in the Old Testament that are very poetic in nature, but that captures it very well. I feel like I'm poured out like water and all my bones are out of joint. A similar theme is found again in verses 16 to 17, and then in verse 18 it speaks of casting lots for David's clothing, meaning he has none. So you see from all of these passages where there's uh, physical persecution, there's uh, emotional, relational strife, even the lack of clothing, whoever this is talking about is dealing with significant affliction, like many of us. But verses 1 through 2 speak to the feeling of forsakenness. Very famously in verse 1, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
Why are you so far from saving me from the words of my groaning? But then verse 2 gives more of a, a definition of what that would really look like. Oh my God, I cry by day, but you do not answer. And by night, but I find no rest. Suffering plus unanswered prayer can leave us feeling forsaken and forgotten. And this is what's called biblically as a lament. Not simply a complaining about who God is or what He has allowed in someone's life, but an actual bringing of the problems to the Lord and saying, what is going on? Why is this happening? But in the midst of the pain, He rightly expresses I feel like you're not there. You have forsaken me. But throughout those first 21 verses, there's also the tangible cry for help. Again, this is King David writing a song that is to be sung in Old Testament Israel and even today in corporate worship as a lament. A cry for help. A recognizing that we need it. Verses 3-5 through are a reminder of who God is in His holiness and that those who came before Him did trust in Him before. There is a whole other generation. And you, our fathers, trusted, verse 4 says. They trusted and you delivered them. There's the recognition that those who have come before us rightly put their trust, even under these types of circumstances, in Him and He delivered. Verses 9-10 through recognize God's sovereignty. And David even being born and in being cared by his mother. This is not a faithlessness of David's, but a raw trust. He continues in verse 11, With a plea, be not far from me, for trouble is near and there is none to help. Because there's no one else out there who can for David except Yahweh. And then verses 19 to 21 are very much the same, echoing the patterns of of the pain of his heart. So, part of what we're trying to recognize this evening. is that in all of our lives, just like King David, even those of us who are professing Christians, believers in the Lord Jesus Christ, this is in the Bible for us to utilize, for us to recognize, to acknowledge things are not yet right in the world, they're not yet right in my own life. The question that is set before us tonight is, even though we might feel forsaken and forgotten, What do we cling to for help? Where are we currently calling for help? The second question that I would have for you tonight is, have those things helped you? Is it your family? Is it your friends? Is it your job? Is it your money? Is it your wealth? Is it your health? All of which can go very quickly. As David knew, many of his psalms of lament are written while hiding in caves, running from King Saul. But he has provided this song in Scripture that we might utilize 
Rather than running away from feelings of pain or difficulty or absolve them by other means, he says, go to the Lord for help. You will find help nowhere else. But then, secondly, and joyfully, there is Advent joy. I'm glad no one's left yet because this will be awful. There is this amazing, uh, dramatic shift that you see in verse 22 where he says, I will tell of your name to my brothers in the midst of the congregation. I will praise you. And after the first 21 verses, you're left thinking, how on earth can he do that? This doesn't even make sense. That there's so much of a shift and a turn right there in the middle of this psalm. For David... There is Advent joy, which means there is joy in praising the Lord. This dramatic shift seen in verses 22 and 23, David says explicitly, he will tell of God's name. He will praise Him in the congregation, and he actually calls on others who fear the Lord to praise Him as well. That regardless of the lament, the difficulty of the circumstances, the affliction, he is going to continue to not only praise publicly the Lord, asking others to do so. He's not ashamed. He's not afraid of the enemies that surround him, of those who mock him, of those who belittle him. His praise is not fickle. His faith is not in himself or his circumstances, but in his God. Then there's the turn again in verses 27 to 31, which speaks of all of the ends of the earth and the families of the nations, turning to him, worshiping him, and prospering and telling coming generations. All of this will hopefully remind us of the original promise to Abraham, that he will bless Abraham and his descendants They will be more numerous than the stars, and they will bless the nations. The mission of God continues amidst God's people being afflicted of great difficulty. And yet there is this joyous call to continue to worship Him, to continue to praise Him individually, in families, in church gatherings like this. Not because we're here because we face no affliction. Why would we then? I'm glad you asked. That's answered in verses 24 to 26. There is Advent joy despite the affliction because we've been heard. But David just seemed to be saying that he's been forsaken and he's been forgotten. And often in my own life, I feel forsaken and forgotten and not heard. And yet David is basing his praise on the fact that he's already been heard. Therefore, he can have joy. How is that? Well, if you look at verse 24, it says, For he has not despised or abhorred the affliction of the afflicted, and he has not hidden his face from him, but has heard when he cried to him. From you comes my praise in the great congregation. My vows I will perform before those who fear him. The afflicted shall eat. And be satisfied. Those who seek him shall praise the Lord. May your hearts live forever. David, at some point in his life, whatever he's dealing with in the moment here, 
can have joy because he's already been saved. He's already been rescued. He's already come into a relationship with the Lord because the Lord initiated that relationship. Because the Lord heard him in his cries, not simply of distress, but brothers and sisters, because of his sin, which had separated him from God like it separated all of us. But God heard the cry of David's heart at a young age and saved him from his sins. Therefore, David can say, amidst affliction, I've already been heard. Therefore, I'm going to continue to praise you and sing to you, regardless of seemingly unanswered prayers, because my greatest prayer has already been answered. You've heard me. What's he talking about? We know what he's talking about, even though he didn't. Because this psalm is pointed forward. Brothers and sisters, you have been heard in your pain and affliction, but ultimately in your sin because of the Lord Jesus. Matthew 27, 35 says they cast lots and divided up Jesus' garments as he was hanging on the cross. And John, in his gospel in chapter 19, actually will quote this psalm to say as such. Mark 15, 34 and Matthew 27, 46 both quote Psalm 22, verse 1, which says what? Jesus Christ, the second person of the Trinity, hanging on the cross for all of our sins, said, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Quoting David. Because he's the better David. You have been heard for far more than your current pain and affliction in this moment. You have been heard eternally because of your sin, because of the Son, because He went unheard by His heavenly Father on the cross. That in our affliction, we have the greatest Advent memorial, which is an empty cross and an empty tomb, which is why He was born. Let us pray together. Lord Jesus, on this night we do reflect, not simply on your first advent, but we rejoice in the second advent to come where there will be no more pain, sorrow, tears, suffering, or sin. But until that day, we have this promise that your people will never be forsaken because on the cross you were for them. Because of this, we can rejoice. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.